0: I just remember getting back to school and wishing I could call him so bad and ask him questions about an idea or this or that. And uh, it took a little while to get over that and kind of mm. realize, man, that guy's n- not here anymore. So mm. I don't know if that's what I miss the most about him, but I think I was just getting to the phase of life where we were becoming f- real good friends and not mm. son and father, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, I could kind of be myself more and say things, do things that, you know, you know, you know I was growing up, so... I often dream about what that would be like, you know, mm. being grown men together and mm. cracking a beer together and that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess when when we get to heaven, we'll see what
1: that's like. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm Miles. And I'm Ruthie. And welcome to the Unspoken Podcast, where we believe that saying the unsaid may be the hardest, but one of the most important things we can ever do.
2: Yes. Our authentic self is the best gift that we have to offer this world. But sadly, we live in this culture that tells us that we should hide it.
1: So we would love for you to join us and listen along. And we hope that you might find connection and healing in the courage that no important words go unspoken.
0: Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone take up your mask.
1: It's nice to me. On this episode, we join Tyler Hubbard of the multi-platinum duo Florida Georgia Line. Florida Georgia Line is one of the hottest and best-selling music acts in the world, with over 30 million downloads and more than 4.2 million albums sold worldwide. They remain the first and only country act to achieve 10 million copies sold of their breakout single cruise. These crossover superstars just finished a headlining sold out stadium tour featuring guest Backstreet Boys. They continue to push into uncharted territories with history making number one pop collaborations and multiple entrepreneurial adventures. Their innovative endeavors also include their newly announced multifaceted compound in Nashville, Tribe Kelly Trading Post, Tree Vibes Music, meet and greet in the Florida Georgia Lion House. I am so excited for you guys to get to know more about Tyler Hubbard. You've heard him interviewed a ton about his music, but rarely do you get to know the man behind the music. And this is one of the coolest people I've ever met, one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. And I think you'll find his heart is big and it's important.
2: Yes, he, the world knows him for being this incredible musician, but he is just one of the most wholehearted, kindest tender men. So we are so excited to get to share this interview with y'all today.
1: All right, here we are. Tyler Hubbard in the house. What's up, guys?
2: Oh, we're so excited. Thanks
1: for being here. This is awesome. You're awesome. I'm excited just because, well, one, I find you to be, well, you're a buddy now, but I find you to be one of the more fascinating people that I've had a chance to get to know because mm-hmm. I, with you, I've experienced there's a lot of layers. And that's part of what this show is about. It's like let's let's get in and know who somebody is as a human being versus a human doing. Mm-hmm. So the world knows mm-hmm. you as the, of the you know, the famed duo Florida Georgia line. You'd have to be asleep at the wheel right now to know to not know who those guys are because mm-hmm. they have the number one song. <laughs> On the planet right now. That's crazy. Dear On God. iTunes. Can you believe that's that?
2: That's amazing. No, as
1: of today. Or was uh, yesterday. That's unbelievable. Yes. Yeah, <gasps> buddy. Yeah, I know. It's pretty wild, right? No, I'm not country. All amazing. genres. Yeah, it's wild.
2: I'm so proud of you. It's,
1: well, thank
0: you. It's it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty surreal feeling. I was telling Haley last night, kind of, I saw on iTunes it was number one oh on all genres, and that's just, it's kind of a dream come true and just sort of surreal again. You know, and when it happens, it never gets old. And Yeah, anyways, I feel really blessed, and it's cool to to be here with you guys to celebrate a little bit. And uh, Miles, I feel the same about you, man. Feelings are mutual. So uh, I, guess that's, I guess that's why we're good buddies, right?
1: I think that's part of it. Um, part of what I'm excited about is I think I've gotten to know a little bit more about you. Uh, just in, I don't want to give it away because people are going to get their own perspective after hearing us talk for a little while, but I can't help but but say a couple of things, which is one of the most humble guys I've ever met, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most heart-led guys I've ever met, and you're just excited about uh, filling people up with hope. And that's what our podcast is all about. And I thought you do that every night. You can change the way somebody feels, a stadium full of people mm-hmm. or an arena full of people. But they're also, you do that one-on-one. You do that with even me. I'm in that business and you can, you can actually speak into my soul, which I, I'm grateful for. And Thanks, I appreciate man. it. Thank you. That's part of what I want to share with everybody oh, is just get cool. to know who is this Tyler Hubbard dude behind the mic. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank mm-hmm. you. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. That's pretty cool.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, it's interesting. We were talking about this earlier. Like, I was doing some research and trying to find out, you know, some things about you. And I found out, obviously, incredible things about your career. And you've been just very smart with it. And very successful, but there wasn't a ton about your private life. And so I was just so excited to get to come in here and get to learn more about you. I've gotten to just get little snippets here and there. Miles thinks the world of you. And I selfishly am like, his people are my people, so you're stuck with me. (laughs) And yeah, so this is just, this is amazing.
0: Well, it's awesome. Thank you guys. Hopefully people, I feel like we're really transparent with our music. So hopefully if the only thing people know us for is our music, hopefully people Know us pretty well, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely some, uh, you know, some different layers that we haven't been able to get out in four albums, so uh, yeah. or three albums. Sorry, we're on our recording our fourth right now, but uh, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, this I look kid. forward to chatting with you guys.
2: So you're a new dad.
0: Yes, oh, yes. My. As of seven weeks ago. Oh. So we have a little new little baby girl in the house, and
2: uh, oh my gosh,
0: pretty pretty amazing. Yeah,
2: I don't know that it's possible to sum that up, but like, what your life has changed now. It's literally different. Yeah, it
0: really has. I mean, it's uh, kind of feels like Christmas morning every every morning when you wake up and now you get to go see that little girl. But uh, and she's probably gonna have a big smile on her face because she's usually smiling when she wakes up. So, it's a it's a lot of fun. I mean, uh, it's been perfect timing in in our life and uh, kind of being able to be off the road a little bit this year. and just be home and kind of get adapted to home life. I mean, we yeah. have—I don't even know what home life feels like, really. And especially, you know, Haley and I, as a couple, we—we've never really experienced just being home. Wow. Um, we've always been in a bus together, on a plane together, in a hotel, or at home for two days to wash clothes and back out. So, mm. literally, since we've known each other, that's what it's been like. So, this last few months has been amazing, and mm. you know, getting to getting to enjoy some time here and nesting, as she calls it, is yes. pretty. Uh, it's a lot of fun for us and. Obviously, just a new level of excitement in life now yeah. that
1: Olivia's here. You put a lot of emphasis on your marriage, which I respect, but mm. uh, how have you navigated that? I know it's incredibly difficult. I've worked with a lot of people in, in your space, and it's hard to do the balance mm. with being as busy as you are and then giving enough attention to the relationship.
0: I mean, BK and I, were, we always joke, we say we were married, which we are married in, <laughs> in a sense, but... Yeah. Uh, there's always that question of who knows when BK and I won't be able to always do life together, but Mm. to have that partner in your life that, you know, you know, with your wife, it's just like, Hey, till death do us part. So it's something, it's something that's really been cool for both of us. And now to add the kid into the equation, Mm. it's just a whole new level of, of love floating around the Hubbard house. You know,
2: I can't imagine how special it is to see her as a mom. I mean, has that just been blowing your mind?
0: Yeah. Seeing, seeing her as a mom, has uh just added a whole new level, a whole nother layer of holy cow! This mm-hmm. woman is just still continuing to amaze me and teach me things every day, and and uh, my my heart is getting even bigger and fuller with love that you didn't even know existed. So uh, mm. yeah, it's a beautiful thing, and we're in a beautiful time of life, and just really trying to soak it up,
1: and you know, do everything I can to to not mess this thing up, you know, (laughs) what do you think? What do you think the the biggest challenge was for you guys when you were on the road? And now what might be the biggest challenge now that you're home? When we first started hanging out,
0: we shared a bunk. So, (laughs) and by bunk, I don't know if you guys don't know how small a bunk is. It's (laughs) take a twin bed and cut it in half. That's what a bunk's like. So, Mm -hmm. so for months we shared a bunk and BK and B (laughs) Cole shared the bunk across the, you know, on the other side of the hall there or, you know, whatever the walkway and the, on the bus. And, uh, and there was also 12 other guys on the bus. So, you know, both of our wives, for that matter, have been really uh, true champions and, you know, road warriors. And uh, they were there from the beginning. And it's just a special thing to, well, to now we have our bus. It's kind of like our road home. We bring Harley. I think that's another key to making it work on the road is creating your home on, on wheels, you know, yeah. and, and bring bring the dog. You know, now we're going to bring Olivia. Hopefully we're going to bring a nanny if we can talk on <laughs> in and go with us. Uh, <laughs> Help us keep it all straight. But, uh, but yeah, I think just creating that home environment and that family-friendly environment and making sure that we're putting what's important, you know, up front.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and uh, I'd love to give you the credit for that. And I'll give you some of it, but I've met your wife. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: I can't take a whole lot. Let's be she honest. She is a gem. Let's she's be a, honest. She's
1: uh, an angel. She's amazing. Truly. But I do think it's important because I would consider your relationship, just because of the nature of you having a public profession, which, you know, We've, you and I have talked about kind of the dilemma that a lot of artists are on that live in, in the public mm-hmm. eye, and it adds uh, an undue amount of stress to everything, but specifically relationships, and the fact yeah. that you've been able to prioritize a relationship and your love for Haley and the way that you have, I think, gives a huge message of hope to everybody. Because what I've noticed, and I'm, you know, married too, is uh, relationships are just hard, yeah. and and they're amazing. And I've got an amazing wife, and they're hard. And yeah. I've, I think there's a lot of people out there that are under significant stress that would look at someone like you who is busy as you are, and you're able to have the bond that you have despite the distraction is pretty remarkable. Well, I appreciate it. I was just
0: thinking of something as we as you were talking to, we can't, I can't take a lot of credit. Haley can take more credit, but it's, it's pretty funny. I think, uh, I think for a lot of the credit has to go to God truly. And I don't mean to get Sunday school answer on you, but I think keeping kind of keeping it God centered and keeping our relationship focused on that and knowing that we're, we're, we're supposed to be in our relationship and is, is, uh, is also pretty crucial to, to having a healthy, strong marriage. And when those road bumps come, you can kind of know how to navigate and you know,
1: pray through it and work through it and talk through it. So that's been key as well. One of the things I experienced is uh, I've got a busy career too. I don't think it's as fast paced and busy as yours, but some days it can be. And uh, and then we were fortunate enough six months ago to bring our first little boy into the world. And uh, you've had a chance to meet him. And mm-hmm. it's just been a game changer for us uh, oh, yeah. relationally too. But I went from having a lot of distraction and some healthy, some unhealthy, to suddenly I got this maternity leave and I was intentional about it. So I'm going to go sit home for an, for at least a couple of months and try to help my wife bring this boy into the world. And I was so excited about it, but I think I underestimated how hard it would be without all the busy and the distraction when I had to just sit there and be present with my wife. I almost didn't know how. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa. Can you relate to that at all? Yeah, or... man, absolutely. Uh,
0: I mean, like I said, going from being on tour and, you know, being in and off, the, in and off the road, and uh, in and out of town, and it's kind of what we were used to, and running yeah. 150 miles an hour and doing it together, and uh, and like I said, it's been it's been nice, but uh, it has taken some adjusting, you know, just True. being home and um, sitting around, and you know, learning how to just how to just be, you know, mm. and I think in our life, but I think it's also crucial. We've learned a lot from that. I think it's crucial to do that. Mm. Um, I think we're gonna. I think it's a blessing that we've. You know, had a little baby, and when we had her, and uh, I think God was setting us up to to teach us how to how to be present a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and um, how to slow down, how to breathe, how to live life to the fullest, because sometimes the fullest, you know, isn't full speed, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, oh, so anyways, we're we're just we're just enjoying where we're at and figuring it out together, and uh, yeah, man, we're definitely in, in the same chapter right there. I think
2: you know. I've read where you've talked about your, like, kind of love-hate relationship with social media, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But as you have more and more and more and more and more eyes on you and, I'm, you know, people want from you and are pulling from you, how have you – or have you felt like you've tried to stay really intentional with community and do you have a group of – men? I mean, obviously, you have Miles who – is so special. But I think a lot of times people, you know, especially when they have, like, large platforms and things, they can go to these things and these people, which it's not real to have connection and get that little burst, you know, when yeah. you're like, that's that's not real relationships.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think you nailed it with the love-hate thing. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to social media, um, it is kind of a love-hate relationship. I mean – I think it's a great tool and yeah. it's a really cool platform to, to be in front of, you know, whatever, thousands and thousands yeah. of people that are interested in what you're doing every second of the day. And I think that can be a really cool thing if you use wisely or right. a really dangerous thing as well. And, you know, I just turned 31. So I think um, kind of my age, I guess my generation, we grew up without it. You right. know what I'm saying? And we didn't have social media of any form until – We were in college till freshman in college. I remember getting on Facebook, you know, Mm -hmm. because I had my college ID and the whole nine yards, and it was a big deal. You're 18 years old, you all of a sudden have the whole world at your fingertips, and uh, you know, you kind of learn a lot through that. Mm -hmm. And now to see where it's at with you know, everybody's got it on their cell phone at whatever age they want it, and the and kind of the I think there's just a lot of fears and a lot of unknowns that people are going to soon be kind of feeling the effects of, you know, and uh, I know I can personally feel, I only say that because in my life, you know, I can personally feel it. And I feel like I'm a fairly aware person for the most part. I sort of, I try to stay in tune with my state of mind. I try to stay in tune with my body. I try to stay in tune with my relationships. And and I find it definitely taking probably the hardest toll just about anything in my life would Mm -hmm. probably be social media. And it's not a huge deal. And if you can keep a good balance, I think it's definitely something you can, Keep control on, but I think it's a lot harder than people give it credit for. Yeah. Um,
2: it has more and power. especially,
0: it has a lot more power than people, a lot more power than even I don't think we even understand. Yeah. And like I said, we're adults that are pretty aware of people, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine the 13, 14, and 15 year old kids that are in school and their lives revolving around how many likes and followers they have. And it's, it's a real scary thing. And, um, you know, I just think it's important, to, just like
1: anything in life, just. Try to keep an eye on it. You yeah. Know? What would, what's a message you would have? Because I know a lot of 13, 14-year-olds look way up to you. And you've mm-hmm. got this, all these followers with far George line and then your own pet. What's a message you would have, those of them? Because you're right. It is taking a toll. I mean, I've mm-hmm. got stories of some committing suicide over it.
0: Yeah. You know what? If, if just from the 30,000-foot perspective on social media, if I could say one thing to the kids would be just put a limit on it. And, and remember that it's fake. And just remember that it's an app on your cell phone. Yeah, Play with it for 30 minutes a day if it makes you happy and you feel like you need to promote a brand or keep up with your friends. But it's still not healthy to keep up with your friends that closely. I mean, if you care that much about what everybody else is doing, then you're not even going to be able to live your own life at all. So just just remember that and keep it, and keep it close to your heart. And, you know, I'm going to try to remind myself that as well. And if... If I'm sitting on Instagram instead of talking to my wife, then there's a problem. So yeah. uh don't miss don't miss real life for for something that's not real. Right. That's the that's kind of the that. bottom line, you know. We're all guilty of it.
2: Yes. And I think what I always like to say is like it can be the vehicle, but it's not the connection. It can mm-hmm. be the ve- like I met my best friend in the world on the internet, but the friendship started in person. Right. Our relationship happens in person. Mm-hmm. And that is so crucial. And I love what you said like I do consider myself a very aware person, and in my awareness, I realize it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I delete it off my phone constantly. Right. During work days, I'm like, no, and don't have it in the bed with me because mm-hmm. I can just mindlessly. Yep. Like, like when so you know I
0: was, you're an hour deep yeah, on, I'm, looking and looking at dirt, on dirt the, bike videos. <laughs> on slot machine.
2: Dance videos. <laughs> right. I, Literally,
0: dance videos. Oh, it's my dream life. NBA fights. I yeah, mean, whatever you know, it is. Whatever, you know, it's, like, fine. I'm hooked. it's
2: fine. <laughs> but I love that. And honestly, for me, the reason I even started talking and sharing my story in the first place is because I had this page and people follow me that didn't know me. And they'd be like, You live my dream life. I want your <laughs> life. I'm like, Dear God, mm-hmm. I was going through a divorce. My dad had just passed away. I have pain every second. But I was I was mm. doing a disservice to the people looking at my feed because I wasn't giving them the both in. Right. Everything I was picturing was true, but they didn't have the context for my joy and all the hard things. Yeah. And so now that's my goal is to use it in a way that gives the both and, mm-hmm. like, sharing the, like, yeah, I'm at this the beautiful... bad good. Yes. Yeah. But, like, tonight I'm going to go home and throw up because right. I did experience this beautiful thing, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's, that's how I personally have used, like, try to combat and, like, be like, Ever, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. You know, the real thing happens in person. All the connection happens in person and... When I find myself just mindlessly trying to escape my pain, I'm a seven on the Enneagram and we don't like to deal with pain, Mm -hmm. I'm just scrolling dance videos. I'm like, just delete it, you know? (laughs) And I, yeah, so I really – I appreciate that a lot and that people do look to you, these kids for sure. And so hearing you speak about that is – it's just it's really important, and so I'm really grateful.
1: that. And, and honestly, there's not a lot of people at y'all's level. Meaning, I know both of you, Ruthie and Tyler, have big platforms. Not a lot of people at your level are talking about it. And I, and even for somebody like me, like I'm working on a book that's this year. And what do you think the first thing they're telling me? You got to get your numbers up. Yeah. The the public. And yeah. so, you know, for somebody that's even smaller. And I even help people detox off social media. I mean, I've got mm-hmm. a wellness program where you keep yeah. your phone up for a week. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I struggle with it. I'm going to yeah. be honest. It's a struggle. Yeah. And I love that you encouraged a lot of us recently to go off of it, to fast mm-hmm. off of mm-hmm. it. For what did you use, like a week? Yeah. I Clearly think, I didn't do it. I've done, right. done
0: a few here and there, you know. And for me, if I can just, like you said, just delete it for a little bit yeah. and not give yourself the option. Because you, you find, I mean, it takes two days to let the muscle memory die down. Don't you and just every,
2: keep looking, even yeah, though it's every, not there <laughs>
0: Every time you every time you go to the bathroom, you're pulling out your iPhone look at Instagram. Yes. You know, it's like, let me just sit here in peace, you know? But no. Uh, yes. But seriously, I mean, it's one of those things you're like, look.
2: Like phantom limb. The
0: muscle memory is serious. So it's, anyways, just to kind of. No more magazines in the bathroom. Yeah, just Instagram, you know? Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's been healthy because then when you, you know, I don't like to say I'm never going to do this again, sure. you know, or whatever. So I just kind of like I said, keep a balance and whatever that is. And for me, it is every, every month or two, just, just going a week or two without it and remembering how to have a conversation with people and how to, every time you feel uncomfortable, not pull your phone out and start scrolling. You know
1: what I mean? So, and I hope you keep, you guys both keep talking about it because it's a, it's one of the fastest growing addictions right now on the planet. is technology. Not a lot of people are talking about it, especially people who have influence. So Mm. hardest thing you've dealt with to date?
0: Uh, Well, the hardest thing I've probably ever dealt with, if anybody knows me at all, I'm pretty transparent, Uh, they probably know I lost my dad when I was 20, and that was probably the biggest, that's the first thing that comes to mind, you know. Um, So, you know, overall, I would say I've lived a, had a pretty amazing life, you know, had a great childhood, got to, like I said, got to see my parents have a great marriage, and uh, you know, had a great, great dad all the way up to 20, and great mother and, uh, you know, had a younger brother two years younger than me and a sister that was born when I was 14. So she's 14 years younger than me. And uh, yeah, I mean, great little life and everything was going great. And then uh, dad passed and I I would say, uh, let's just say a tragic helicopter accident in in Mm -hmm. my backyard. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of make a long story short, we were, I was there at the house and the whole family was there. And pretty graphic incident as you can imagine and uh one of those things that just kind of forever changes you and changes mm-hmm. family dynamic changes the way you look at life changes yeah. the way you love life and love people and you know i think that was the first that was the first whoa moment for me at 20 years old Is like this life is fragile you know and to to, to see somebody you thought was invincible um hanging out with them the night before, and then the next night they weren't there anymore.
1: Hmm.
0: It was really, you know, I think a tough lesson to learn, but a very valuable lesson. And, you know, I'm very thankful that uh, as much as it sucks sometimes that dad's not here, you know, I'm very thankful that I went through that. And I think it it made me who I am, just like any, you know, just like any life experiences that aren't fun uh, make you who you are. So There's a lot of times where something's kind of happened after that that's been a direct, um, you know, directly related to that incident. And I'm like, man, I'm thankful that happened or this happened or this, And you know. so
2: I first want to say, I hate that you have to be on this team. I'm so sorry. That is such a huge loss. And I also want to say, like, I know that he is so proud of you. Well, thank you. I can't even, I mean, you but the even little tiny glimpses that I've gotten to experience like even hearing how you talked about how he loved your mom I the first night I met y'all I watched the way that you looked at your wife and the way y'all interacted and it was so tender and it was so kind and it was just it was a beautiful thing to witness and it was an honor to get to witness and just hearing the way with respect you speak of her and how much grace you know you speak and with humility he's so proud of you. Thank you. And you are a beautiful legacy of the man that I just heard you talk about. So, Well,
0: I appreciate that.
2: Yeah.
1: What's, what was his name?
0: Uh Roy. Roy. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. It's funny we're talking about this because I literally just cu- was catching up with This Is Us, mm-hmm. the oh TV God. show. So good. And, geez, I cried my eyes out for like same. two hours. Yes. That The last two episodes, I'm like, geez, that uh, hits close to home. But, yeah. Same. You know.
2: I just did that this week. I it cried has been, like, like a,
0: ten it's been 11 years since he passed away mm. and still every now and then it's just like, yeah. oh, the, the grief just hits yeah, you. Yeah, you know, it's yes. just like a little, you'll, yeah, you're just watching a TV show or something or hearing a story and you're like, man, I, I've been there. That kind of sucked, mm. you know, but, yeah. but, you know, yeah, so part real. of life, I guess. And <laughs> Well, I think that's go a,
1: a misconception a lot of times of the idea of grief is that people think it's supposed to look a certain way. And that you're supposed to, uh, it's got steps or stages. And I know some of that is, there's some validity to it, but it's messy. And I think people out there need permission not to feel like you need to get over it. Because mm-hmm. it, I've, and I've, we're doing a, a program through our foundation right now called Life After Loss, where we're, I've been collaborating with a lot of grief experts mm-hmm. that are working with parents that have lost brief parents. And it's different. I mean, talking to um, Sandy Hook moms, mm-hmm. losing a kid to a, uh, tragic violence is different than losing a kid to cancer versus, Mm and it's interesting that both of you, um, lost your dad in an act, just a freak accident Mm -hmm. and it was sudden and it wasn't expected. And it was, I mean, that's, yeah, I remember,
0: I remember when I came back to college and I just remember the common phrase was, uh, deal with, or not deal with it. Uh, Yeah, have you dealt with it? Like, like there's a certain equation Mm. to to making sure you do all the steps to deal to dealing with whatever it is, right? And in my case, it was loss, and it was kind of like, well, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm dealing with it. Like, I don't know if there's you got an equation or you got any steps I need to do because I feel you know I'm doing what I feel like is the right thing to um kind of deal with this and uh, and go through it. So, anyways, yeah, it's. I wish I'd have known you at that time, Miles, because I would have been like, hey, send me, that, send me that pamphlet you were talking about with those 12 steps or whatever it is. I know there's some steps I'm supposed to go through here if you can just shoot them my way. Because no, I didn't have any idea, but I kept hearing about it though. But, mm-hmm. uh, but no, it was definitely a learning experience for me. And, uh, you know, I guess it sounds weird to say something you're thankful for, but at the same time, you kind of are, you know. What do you miss the mm-hmm. most about them? Man, uh, I think just just having that person to call and talk to and hang out. I me, mean, me and my dad were really close. We were, we were really good friends, and we worked together. And that was kind of a we d- rode dirt bikes and worked together. That's pretty much mm-hmm. all he did was work. And if he wasn't working, he was riding a dirt. If 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 he was playing, it was riding a dirt bike. But yeah. he thought play was work. He got those two confused. I guess that's where I got it from. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we'd hang out and work a lot together, and I could bounce ideas off of him. He was an entrepreneur and always ran his own companies and did things kind of his own way, and I just remember getting back to school and wishing I could call him so bad and ask him questions about an idea or this or that, and uh, it took a little while to get over that and kind of realize, man, you know, that guy's not here anymore, so Mm. I think that's, I don't know if that's what I miss the most about him, but, uh, you know, I definitely miss, I think I was just getting to the phase of life where we were becoming real good friends and not Mm. son and father, you know what I mean, and, you know, I could kind of be myself more, and, say things, do things that, you know, you don't know, you know, I was growing up. So I think uh, I, I often dream about what that would be like, you know, mm. being grown men together and
2: mm.
0: cracking a beer together and that kind of stuff. But, uh, but you know, I guess when, when we get to heaven, we'll see what that's like. <laughs> mm. But
2: How do you think he would have described you?
0: Oh, that's a good question uh i'd say he'd probably describe me a lot like him i mean i get that a lot i think he kind of saw it too and whether Mm -hmm. that was always good or bad i think for the most part it's good you know i got a lot of he was definitely one of the best best men i've ever known and uh to be compared to him to me is a huge compliment and and i think that's what he would say you know i think i think i've got a lot of his character and a lot of his little traits and Every now and then I'll catch myself and play, Oh my gosh, that's what Dad used to do. That's weird. <laughs>
2: yes. But isn't that the wildest?
0: It's pretty wild. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I appreciate what you said earlier. I do think he'd be proud of me. I think mm-hmm. uh I think that one of the hardest things is just every now and then when something big happens, be like, Man. I know he can see from up there, but I just yeah. wish he could be here, you know. Of course.
1: for anybody out there right now because I know there's man when I opened up the idea of grief not that I'm the first to do it there's a lot of people that have paved the way pioneers in working with grief and uh, it was Pandora's box. I mean there's a lot of people grieving and on a lot of different levels from a lot mm-hmm. of different loss and uh, I think what we said earlier is an important message, which is, hey, this is a process. This is not an event. You know, you don't have to finish this and it doesn't have to look a certain way and there's not three steps to doing this Mm -hmm. thing right. The idea is, and I think you do that well, is that we lean in and find somebody we trust and talk about it. Mm -hmm. It gets scary and it usually turns to numbing it out and running from it uh, when you're scared to talk about it.
2: I love that. I feel the same way. I love getting to tell stories about my papa because A, we're all better for it because he was so amazing, but also it keeps his spirit alive, you know? And it's a it's a gift to me to get mm-hmm. to, and when people say his name, like I don't hear his name. Any, like used to be anywhere I'd go, like, you're Lloyd Lindsay's daughter, you know? And people would say his name. Mm-hmm. And so now, like, I don't know. I get the chili bumps all over me. Like <laughs> if someone, I, and it means so much. I could cry right now just thinking about yeah. it. Like his, I don't hear his name anymore. Mm. Um so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really honored that you would share about really with well, thank us, you. and I would love for you if you wouldn't mind. Would you share your favorite memory with him? Oh, it's probably hard to narrow down one, but what's Man, what's your first one?
0: Yeah, uh, we used to do we used to like do a lot of road trips because my family, my extended, you know, my all my extended family lived in Alabama, which was about four and a half hours from where I grew up. And so we had a lot of family road trips, but some of the best times was when uh, me and dad would go on a road trip together. And I remember one time, this is kind of funny, but it was cool because just one of those things I'll never forget. uh, He had a, basically a semi truck uh, without a trailer on it. Uh, I don't even remember off the top of my head what kind of truck it was, but it's not like if if you don't know anything about driving semis, it's not like driving a, a regular stick shift. Right, It's a whole, it's pretty much like having to learn how to drive again, Whoa. especially, this was an older truck, so it wasn't, it didn't drive itself, you know, like the <laughs> new ones kind of do, but uh, anyways, it's something that takes some practice, and it's literally like I was 14 again, trying to learn how to drive a stick shift, but we got in this truck, and we had to go pick up something from Alabama, I think it was a, actually a, like a storage unit that was sitting out in the woods or something, he wanted to go pick up, so we had this huge flatbed, and <laughs> uh, he told me that I was going to learn how to drive it, so... So I lived, or we lived about an hour from Atlanta, and we had to drive through Atlanta to get to Alabama. Oh, God. And so I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to dri- learn how to drive this big old truck and stalling out, going down the interstate and doing And it's one of those things where if you skipped a gear, you had to kind of start over at gear one, which meant you had to kind of stop and just kind of start over because you couldn't really find where you were at without grinding the gears. And it was just a nightmare. <laughs> but but I drove all four hours in that truck, or four and a half hours, and... Uh, by the time I got there I had it pretty figured out and anyway it's just those road trips yeah just learning and talking and uh he was kind of like me his phone was ringing every 15 minutes so he'd have to take a lot of phone calls but I think about him and laugh and smile all the time. I'm doing two mm. or three things at once and shifting gears and talking on the phone and eating a sandwich. and yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, everything else. Turning yeah. my beard and everything going down the road like he used to do. But, yeah, that's, that, was a, that was some good
1: times, just, mm. just talking and yeah. being in the truck, driving down the road. Ironically, you should see this guy drive anything, especially (laughs) like a dirt bike or. Oh
2: my god! I've been in
1: a a, like a Polaris Razor with him one time on his track, and he—I screamed like a ten-year-old girl. (laughs) 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 And I'm not risk adverse. I like I'm a daredevil, but I'm not that
2: guy. I (laughs) love it so much. Six foot air Oh my god, that is the dream. (laughs) I grew up mudding, like doing. That's my. Oh yeah. Literal when one of my best friends who Miles knows ambrose has this like 1979 FJ and when it snows we always go out and just go off-roading. We're like the biggest rednecks ever living our best lives. That's we're good. like it is so
1: it's good for the soul. My,
2: oh my I squeal. I just it makes me so happy. I love it so much. That's awesome. That's amazing.
1: The challenge that we talked about personally, uh I'd love to hear maybe the biggest challenge you've had professionally, because you've done some things professionally that, I mean, you, you guys have broke the mold in country music for one. Um, you've crossed genres, you're crossing genres right now, like we mentioned earlier, but you've just done things non-traditionally and you stayed true to your imprint. What, what, you know the music that spoke to you you went through the genre and people said you can't do that here and you did it and now you're doing it at a massive scale yeah. i mean you took the backstreet boys and nelly on your
0: last yeah. tour and
2: so you great. sold out stadiums and arenas <laughs> so i mean who, great
0: that's crazy um i'm going to say i mean not to be not to be cliche but probably probably the beginning um and most of you guys if you, well, i'll just i'll just kind of tell the story if you don't if you don't yeah. know the FGL story but I mean, we met out of college, BK played baseball at Belmont and, and we met in college, um, and kind of started hanging out our senior year. And I, and I was at Belmont, uh, just getting a, a business degree and actually emphasis in music. So I was kind of hoping that it could go that direction, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do or be. I just thought I wanted to write songs. That, that was the goal. I wanted to write songs. And so I met BK and his goal was to write songs. That's what he wanted to do. Um, after he graduated. So we both graduated in 2009 and, um, uh, and just kind of started, hey, let's, we, we knew we had something special when we got together to write songs. Uh, it just kind of worked. And so one thing led to the next, and we decided, I remember we were going over to our friend Justin's house, and we were driving through the uh, drive through at McDonald's, actually, and we were just talking about, man, we're about to graduate. What are we going to do? Like, what do you want to do? And we just kind of decided then and there, well, let's just get in your Tahoe. I At the time, I had a car detailing company that I, that I ran to make, that's <laughs> what that's how I made my living uh at the time. I mean it kind of I did odds and ends, and b k and I both did odds and ends, but that's kind of what I'm getting to. We decided well let's just let's just leave on the weekends and and try to book shows and figure this out and mm. play our music however we have to play our music so that's what we did. We kind of went out with a mission to build fans and we didn't even know how to get out we just we started calling clubs and venues and acting like we were our own booking agent and hey we're we need you wow. know basically if you'll cover our gas to get there, we'll come play. So that's what we did starting out and started just building a fan. And, you know, slowly but surely, you know, we started booking up and staying busy. And we got a booking agent um, eventually that um, really believed in us early on in the beginning, mm-hmm. Kevin Neal. And he was crucial in our, He's as awesome. far as getting out there and, and getting heard. And he yeah. just started booking us every single weekend. And, uh, but I say all that to say that probably um, the biggest challenge was, were just those first couple years when we saved enough, well, even before we bought a, a little. Fifteen passenger van. We were in his Tahoe, and every weekend we'd pull a detail detail stuff out of my trailer and throw guitars and amps in there, and take two or three guys that were willing to go play for for next to nothing, and then we'd go play all weekend and and make six hundred dollars and have to pay the band guys, and then we'd make zero. So that yeah. was that was a challenge because we also had to pay the bills, and we had a four year. A four-year, hundred-thousand-dollar degree from Belmont that wasn't getting us anything, you know what I'm saying? And so we're sitting around painting houses and cutting grass and washing cars on, yeah. during the week, so that we can go play uh, play shows on the weekend and build mm-hmm. this thing and into something that you know we can call a real job. So um, I think that was the most challenging part because that lasted a couple years, and I know for a lot of people, man, out there they they grind and bust it like that for ten years, and I yeah. got a lot of respect for for the guys out there that do that um i like to say that i would have would have had that in me but i was getting pretty uh i was getting pretty irritable in the and sweaty and hot in the back back seat of that 15 passenger van and <laughs> in the middle of summer and we would, yes. we'd drive ourselves through the night after playing at midnight mm. or something and uh you know whoever was the most sober one would drive would start driving <laughs> and we'd drive through the night and hopefully get to the hotel and uh wake up and drive some more and mm. get to the next show and we just It'll wear you out, man. I mean, it really will. And it was right. fun. We were we were enjoying every moment. Looking back now, we had a blast. Because I remember thinking this was really fun. But looking back now, I really, I'm glad that we're past that phase. And I'm really glad that we're <laughs> on the bus and, and we're, uh, you know, eating healthy food now. And yeah. you know, getting to kind of do it a little differently. But uh, anyways, that was a challenge. And I don't know if that was the exact answer you were looking for. But that's the first thing that popped into my
1: into my <sighs> head. Well, I just love the way that you color outside the lines. I mean, you started. You know, and you were worship leading, doing Christian music and then country music. But then I've just sitting and to you listen to make unbelievable rap beats. Mm-mm. And I mean, how do you you can't really box you in. How did you get permission to be able yeah. to be the artist you become?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think we just uh, we've always wanted to take all of our influences and just make music, man, that felt good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think for BK and I both there never really were genres. I mean, growing up there never were genres. There was mixtapes and there were CDs that we'd make to listen to and it had everything on it. So from rap to rock to Christian to country and uh, you know, we both learned how to play guitar and learned how to be on a stage in church leading worship. So we got a lot of that background in us. Um and and so we actually both BK and I both led worship in a for a little small youth group probably like 25 kids for probably a year on Wednesday nights to make an extra couple hundred bucks uh, back in those challenging years there I was telling you about so anyways I think for us man we were just passionate about music and and really never thought never overthought it or over analyzed if it felt good and if it was a good song that touched us it was a good song and I think we've really tried to stay true to that because our manager, Seth, and our producer, Joey Moy, um, I feel like we've, I mean, we always say better is better and, and the best song wins, and I think it's it's not about genre. Does it fit here? Does it fit this lane? Or will country radio play it? Or will pop radio play it? Or this or that? Or will Spotify play it? Or where's it going to live? It's just about creating music that touches people, and yeah. whether it makes you want to dance or cry or laugh or you know fall in love or break up, you know? Uh, it's fun to be a writer and to get to Right from different perspectives, and 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 create from different parts of your creative mind. You know, whether it's a rap song or whatever kind of song it is. So, I think it just keeps us going, man.
1: But you know what I find ironic is, I was thinking the fact that you've busted through genres and broken some of the rules. I mean, historically, country music has largely been a, a white, you know, industry, and with a few exceptions, there were some early pioneers. But I think culturally, right now, there's such a divide in race, and the fact that you're embracing this multi-genre. Multi race uh, is pretty exceptional, mm-hmm. but uh, have you, have you ever talked about your thoughts on race or? It's not a light a light uh, situation, but and I
0: wish I had a, I had an answer, but I think it's just as simple as is loving people, man. I think if we could just all find the love in our hearts to get past whatever your your dad taught you, your mom taught you, your granddad taught you, whoever it was that put put those thoughts in your head if you could somehow get past those i think it's just
2: Huge. it's
0: pretty simple as that and the more i think also it just had a random thought pop up but we'd love to travel and i mean i didn't grow up traveling or anything like that this is not but it's even created more of a love for um different cultures different people different races um i mean We've been to Europe. We've been to Australia. We've been to Hawaii. We've been to Africa. We spent a lot of time in Africa over the last couple of years, and man, I, my heart just really. <laughs> sometimes it's hard to come home. To be honest, you yeah. know, come back to to your people. It's like, man, I hate to say that, but sometimes it's like, geez, mm. I'd rather I'd rather be around this culture or these people. And so, I say that with the, with the purpose of just saying that if. Everyone would just open their eyes and their minds a little bit and say, hey, man, maybe I should get, get outside of my box and meet some different people. You may be surprised yeah. that you just met the best person you ever met or the best group of people in the world or whatever, you know, and that's what I found. And I think that's really fun to travel. And you can learn so much from other people, man. I mean, that's also I feel like they do more for me than I've ever thought I could do for them, you know, whether mm-hmm. they're on our staff or whether they're on the road, on our crew or Whatever, man, it's, it's pretty fun.
2: I love that. I think you're so right about, like, I can't remember the direct quote, and my brain is broken, so I will butcher it. But there's a quote about, like, travel is like the antithesis of racism like you can't travel and experience these cultures right. and leave the same with yeah. your closed minded like if you go in with this idea oh
1: it's a Mark Twain quote yes. it's about prejudice yes uh, it's of really, course I, I
2: totally butchered
1: it <laughs> I, well, <I'm> <laughs> but to- I know
2: the heart of it and it's just it's so it's so true and it's so real I grew up in the tiniest little town and like our dances were segregated you right. know but my I was lucky enough that my dad would just throw us in the car and we get to see all these other cultures and I saw that Everyone didn't act like me and didn't speak like me and didn't talk like me. And I got to meet people that weren't the same yeah. as I was. And it opened my mind. And mm-hmm. I was so thankful that I had the privilege of getting to leave my tiny, precious town mm-hmm. and well meaning town. But, you know, a lot of people don't leave. And so they don't get to experience different cultures and races and mm-hmm. languages and just oh it I mean travel it's yeah, travel. curiosity and travel because mm-hmm. you you'll realize that we're all the same mm-hmm. the truth is we're not so different like everyone is the same yep. and I remember going to camp and meeting people from South America and Venezuela and they became some of my dearest friends and we had the same fears the same insecurities the same issue like, we barely could speak the same language, but literally we were the same, mm-hmm. and that that changed me. It couldn't not change me.
0: Something that that just that just kind of sparked a a, a story in my head that was pretty inspiring. But talking about different races and just being uh, multi, whatever however you just worded that, Miles, uh, multi, multicultural whatever lifestyle, I, I'll never forget. Um, in my dad's funeral I thought mm-hmm. this was really cool I've never been to a funeral they had to do this but he had to have like we had our pastor at our church give um whatever the word is the speech first yeah. the service first and yeah. then right afterwards we uh, one of my dad's best friends Hispanic pastor had to come and give a uh,
2: Oh wow! Had to do a Spanish. Mm-hmm. Had
0: to not even translate, but had to do a whole nother thing for Dad because there it was like there were so many Hispanic people in our church for the funeral. So, anyways, I, I don't know. That. I, I thought that was pretty cool. It was literally almost half and half, and that's beautiful. And and little the 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 Mexicans that were there couldn't even speak English, but they loved Dad so much that they came to the because he loved them so much that they came to his service. You know what I mean? Knowing they wouldn't understand a word, fortunately they had a guy to kind of service them, but. Uh, definitely inspiring and cool. And I think that's part of where I got it from.
1: I will say um, you and I've talked a lot about my work and my lane and just, you know, getting emotionally uh, tuned up and and, in reconciling your story. And you're, you're an advocate of that. And I've watched, you know, we've been able to do a couple of things together and um, uh, put together a couple little groups here and there. And you, I, I feel like, I've watched you step into that space and you may not even know you're leading, but you're leading. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's something, I, and I know you're, uh, you're heart for service. I know you guys, um, you and Haley give back in some amazing ways that nobody would ever know about. So mm-hmm. I know you've got a kind heart for service. Uh, but I feel like you're stepping into this new lane. And I saw you speak the other night too, at this event for our buddy that mm-hmm. we were honoring. And I was like, dude, you got some You chops. call that a speech, man? I was
0: not no speech.
1: No, Ruthie asked oh, me for a living, and you were right there. The way you tell yeah, stories, it was mm-hmm. good, man. So I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like, how do you see yourself um, kind of curating this next chapter? Obviously, I know you're getting ready to do some more amazing things musically. But what do you see uh, that you'd like to do with your platform beyond that?
0: Man, I don't really know, to be honest, to give you an exact answer. I think I'm in a cool... uh I'm in a cool season where I kind of the doors open, or my eyes are open, my arms are open, kind of waiting for the opportunity. Whatever God kind of has for me. And it's been fun to pray that prayer lately. Hey, I want to do whatever you got in mind. I don't know what that looks like. Um, and I'm just going to kind of go where you lead me. And it's been cool um, to kind of, first of all, let your inspiration and on site's inspiration and what you, uh, I mean, this whole. What you do is a whole new thing for me in general, and I feel Mm. uh, a whole new concept. I mean, I didn't know anything like that existed or the kind of work that you guys do. And and for me, it's pretty life-changing, and I I just get all excited about it. You know what I mean? I don't know how to explain it. I think Mm. I just love to see people—I love to feel renewed. I love to feel like we just spent 30 minutes becoming better people, whether that's Mm. through therapy or yoga or working out or— Talking to your wife or going to dinner, just just real. I think when you just when you're being real and you're actually past surface level, I love that, and I kind of thrive on that. And whether it's, it doesn't have to be at counseling. You know what I'm saying? Like or whatever the term you want to use is. But I just, if I'm if I'm thinking about it and actually trying to answer this question, I think the premise of it is I get a lot of excitement and joy over, over uh, connecting with people and seeing. Getting past the surface and seeing a change, and seeing a change, and seeing people be transparent and real, and I think I can see that a lot through music, and I can see all those people in the crowd every night being transparent with with us, being transparent with them, and mm. and I thrive on that. But to but to make it a more intimate experience and to do it on a smaller group has been really cool. You know, I've we've kind of started this guys group that's just been really encouraging each other and trying to become better men and better people, and it's been. Uh, it's just opened up a whole new a whole new like lane for me I guess mm-hmm. and kind of been like wow this is so rewarding so fun yes. I'm becoming a better dude I'm all the stuff that I don't have answers for don't know how to figure out or work through I can just talk to my guys about and we can work through it together and it's been really cool for me and uh and I guess really kind of led me into man this I, like I don't I don't want to go away from this I want to feel I want to feel like this all the time so I think Um, I don't know what that's going to lead into, um, exactly, but, but I love the opportunity to, to be able to lead and to be able to Mm -hmm. use my platform to help others. You know, I think that's, Mm. that gets me really excited. It's just to help others wherever I can and to be helped when, when I'm not expecting help, whether that's, uh, like I said, at a dinner with friends or hanging out with you guys or doing a, doing a guys group or whatever, um. And I think we all need it just as badly as I do. And I think that's it's really fun when you all get vulnerable and you all say, Hey, here's what I'm going through, here's what my marriage is looking like, here's here's what I'm dealing with personally, here's what I'm here's where I'm good, here's where everything's doing great. And I think just having that person besides your spouse, I think is crucial for everybody's well being. And I think people look to that for the wrong places and you gotta just You got to get, you know, and again, I'm not going to keep going back to social media, but But people are too distracted to even realize they need somebody to really talk to. So for me, this has been a big year and I've kind of, I guess, a revolutionary year in that that, um, aspect of my life. So I'm excited to see what God does going forward.
2: That's beautiful. And I think what's so incredible is like one of your other beautiful gifts is like facilitating connection. And community. And Miles taught me like how our brains mirror emotions. So like when you're honest and vulnerable and talk about the actual real stuff that we everyone is pain is universal, everyone struggles. Mm -hmm. Every but when you're actually honest about it, walls crumble Mm -hmm. around us and it frees other people up to be able to mirror their emotion and Mm -hmm. they're actually able and feel free. To share their struggle and those me-too moments and realizing you're not the only one. Like, that in and of itself is healing. Mm -hmm. To know that you are not alone and isolated in your pain, but that others know it too, Mm -hmm. that is like... That is fundamental, yeah, and we sure. need it. But mm-hmm. something—what a disservice that we're offering the world to think like everything's good, life's great, like right. bullshit. That's what right. social
0: media. And does. Yeah. which is again what social media does. Yes. And when you have a conversation, when you're when you're actually hanging out with people, the first thing you want to talk about is what their post was two days ago, which is also just the highlight of their day. So right. you're really not talking about the real
1: stuff. What are you right. really going through? What are you right. really? How are you really doing? That's not what social media does it's what we do on social media well that's right, and right. I, I think that because uh, yes. I've seen people do it differently and I've been trying to stretch out and not just talk about the amazing moments with my son but also the hard moments yeah. and you do right. you do that well and just being honest I think gives more people permission to be honest and you didn't you didn't mention this, but it's awesome that the one of the group he's referencing is all artists. Mm-hmm. All influential art, And so the courage of those, yes. of all of us to get together. But also, you said something to me recently. You said, I think I'd just spoken to a label in town and done some work. And you said, "You Man, you realize if we keep this up, we're getting ready to change an industry.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty small oh. industry, and you're already tapping into a big, big chunk of it. And I think that's an industry that needs changing and needs some realness, you know? Yeah. We, all do, you know? Oh. we all does, do, and every industry does, but it's cool to see. Yeah. It's cool to see the work y'all are doing, man. It's cool mm-hmm. to see that everybody's also hungry
1: for it. Yeah. Well, in, in a way, it feels like a payback because I think all of us owe a debt to the artist. Um music specifically changes the world on a level that can it's it, you can't even measure it. And it's changed my life. It taught me how to feel for the very first mm-hmm. time. I didn't know how to feel, and then suddenly hmm. I learned, and I feel like I've always owed a debt to the creative community to, if I can mm. support it and make it healthier, then the ripple is immeasurable. Yes.
2: Oh, my mm-hmm. God, I love that so much. That's huge. Loving and supporting this platform that is, I mean, I remember laying in my bed in ninth grade and listening to music Me like, they put words to feelings that I didn't even know I felt that were deep down inside of me and it was huge and transformative huge and so yeah that's so beautiful what a what a gift I love that so much and it's
0: cool that you give back in that industry too because I think I think uh, a lot of people just think that artists just got together you know what I mean they got I it made <laughs> they got it together they got yeah. you know this and that and it, and if they do have an issue they probably got somebody to talk to guarantee they got they know somebody when in reality, they probably don't have anybody asking yeah, them how it can they're be doing. A pretty lonely it's profession. So, so
1: real.
0: unless they make a conscious effort to to have those people in their life, they don't have anybody asking them how they're doing on
1: a real level. So,
0: I don't know. I think that's just what gets them excited, you know. And, yes. Beautiful.
1: And I, I think the this is something that everybody needs to hear. And I know we're. Arguably, we're sitting. Our guest is, you know, right now is one of the busiest people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, entrepreneur, really successful, the most successful artist. As of today, got the best song in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Dear God. Uh, but still takes time to put uh, family and wife first. But also mm-hmm. takes time to curate the experience because you not only joined it, you also will initiate and say, "What do you What are you guys doing next Tuesday?" Yeah. And you may be the busiest one of all of us. And you. And you take time well, to do that. I've that, learned if you don't put a date on it and put it in my calendar, it won't get done. So I got to make sure that if that part gets done, we're golden. But yeah. Yes, but the I rest of the that. people out there that, that are sitting there in isolation or lonely or struggle right now that, that need to initiate community, what's a message for them? Oh, man,
0: go to on site. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. No, I'm just kidding. That's perfect. I was trying to say that. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know what? That's a great question because if you don't, my my initial, my initial answer was going to be, hey, you probably have people that care about you in, in your life and you just got to reach out to them and maybe they've, you know, if they're not reaching out to you, but, but maybe the people, somebody out there doesn't and, you know, um, for me, it was going to church and it was finding people at church. I think it's about, you're either going to, you're going to go somewhere and meet somebody and find somebody to, to uh, you know, talk to and I think, uh, I think, being smart about where that is, I mean, you know, yeah. um, that was always a good spot for me, man, to go find somebody that I could be real with was was church. And, uh, you know, obviously there's always a Lord there, but just to have a real, you know, just to have a real uh, in the flesh friend. Yeah. I mean, there was always, it's always a good place to go. But like I said, I think for the most part, I think everybody's got somebody out there that loves them mm-hmm. and uh, whether you think so or not, uh, and then somebody that cares about you. And probably more than one. So I think if you just kind of put your ego aside and maybe just um, make the phone call and just yeah. just and you know initiate it yourself, yeah. get it going, because yeah. they're probably going to be um, just as excited and happy as you are about mm-hmm. about that connection, you know.
1: And and I'm glad you just mentioned faith again because you've referenced God and your relationship and conversations you've had throughout. And I think as a, a pop culture kind of music icon, a lot of people uh, or have a complicated relationship with their faith and, or not one at all, or struggle to talk about it. And tell us about your relationship with,
0: them. yeah, man. I mean, I think my faith is just based on a relationship with Christ. You know, it's not even so much a religion, uh, it's just a relationship with Christ. And I, I think, uh, that's also fundamentally rooted in prayer and, and, you know, reading the word. I wish I read the word a little bit more to be honest, but, uh, it, it, unfortunately, you know I don't make as much time for that as I probably should. Um, but a lot of prayer, man. I mean, I've the last couple of years, especially, I've really grown. Felt like my relationship with God's really taken it to the taking it its next step, you know, if you will, and really kind of grown a little, a little closer. And um, it's just been a lot of fun, man, because there's a lot of things about my life that I don't understand and that mm-hmm. I don't have any idea what God's got what he's got going on. I mean. Um, there were years where I was singing t- at 2 a.m. in a bar drinking a half a bottle of whiskey and literally praying God why am I here like what in mm-hmm. the world do you have me here for but I feel like I'm supposed to be here yeah. and maybe I'm not exactly where I'm supposed to be at the right minute but I know that, that you're doing something and I don't understand and so to watch his story kind of unfold more and more each week if you will it's really really been fun and kind of drawn me closer to him to be like my goodness um, through the good and the bad I mean you were just really are faithful and uh i don't deserve this life that i have and the wife that i have and the little girl and the, the music career the fact that i get to do what i love and the fact that bk and i no matter how hard we work could never ever get to where we are today and it's not i'm not just saying that to say it i mean if you think about it it's seriously almost humanly impossible and it and in my opinion it is humanly impossible and uh especially just <laughs> you just take, I mean, even just just us, man. We're just average old dudes with really pretty mediocre talent, and God just
1: <laughs> God just says, well,
0: you know, let me show out a little bit, and that's what it feels like's happened. So through that process, I mean, I've really grown close to God, and you know, like I said earlier, having having a marriage that's also fundamentally grounded in that has kept Haley and I both really close to God, and when things start to feel a little sideways, I try to just get it back on the. Get it back on the tracks and get refocused with the Lord, and it, you know, I know He's teaching us stuff through every step of the way, and and God is also in control every step of the way, and I think being able to take peace in that, know know that, it's been really cool for me, man, through mm-hmm. all the ups and the downs, and just knowing, I think I've had I've had that kind of faith for, for, since I was a, a kid, and mm-hmm. I think. Through life, just in general, just having that relationship and having that f- true faith and really knowing, like, all right, like I know I just lost my dad right in front of my face, and I I don't understand this, and I don't know yeah. what in the world you're doing, but I but I still believe yeah. that you're in control, and so I don't even know where I was going with all that, but no, I was just fun. saying all that to say that yeah. you know, for good. me, that's where a lot of the joy and the understanding and the peace and yeah. all that stuff truly truly does come from, and and the career success I think is. True, truly given given to us from God.
1: Mm-hmm. What scares you the most about being a dad? Uh,
0: on a surface level, I would say that it scares me to to uh, lose my patience. I think that's one thing that I'm learning to try to get better at is having patience, man. Um, but that's that's the first, the surface level thing. On a little deeper level, I would say just just raising. I mean, it's scary to raise somebody, man. I mean, shoot, think about it. I've never done it before. <laughs> so it's, it's scary. I mean, I've, uh, we've raised a golden retriever and he's a pretty freaking awesome dog. But, uh,
2: but yes, he is. I don't know about
0: this whole human thing, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun and I am scared. And, it, but again, I just know that, um, I know it's going to be a journey. I know it's not a sprint. I know it's going to be a marathon and it's one that I'm really excited about. I know I, we do, pr- we pray for guidance and direction every night and really, um, I just I guess my biggest fear is just getting off the track and being able to whether it's get too busy as a father or not not be i don't know there's all kinds of ways you you're, you don't feel sufficient as a dad, you know, and I just hope that I can be the dad that my dad was, you know, and I think I fear not being that uh for her, but I'm gonna give it all I got and I think I think I'm on. I think I'm gonna be okay. I love that little thing already too much to not be a good dad. I think so. Uh, yeah. I That's, feel pretty uh, confident, always, man.
1: With our pediatrician the other day, and uh, he said, uh, "What did he say? The most fearful thing on the planet's a new dad, but most of them don't know it." Yeah. And so I appreciate the it's fact. probably true, man. I do. I do
0: feel it every now and then, Then I try to think about something else. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. So, I want to show you a photo that we pulled from the internet. Uh, Will you describe that picture?
0: Okay, I would describe this photo as. I look pretty happy to be wearing that suit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Is that a church photo?
0: Uh, This would be, yeah, I think. I think it was every year we had to do like a church photo for the church bulletin or something like uh-huh. that. It was either that or we were like a new member at a church and you like take your photo to like, I'm not sure why, but I guess show the congregation <laughs> who just joined the church. But I just remember dressing up and going to the church and taking these photos. Uh,
2: How old are you in that photo?
0: I was probably, I don't know, maybe eight. How old was I there? Seven or eight, Maybe. Could be twelve. I have no idea. <laughs> have no clue. <laughs> that is I know quite Cameron, the Cameron's face looks like <laughs> what? what I feel right now when you ask me that question. If you can see how confused uh, his face looks, <laughs>
2: he looks literally <laughs> can't old? figure it out. What was that little boy telling himself about the world?
0: Whoa. <laughs> huh. I think that little boy was saying that the world's a good place. Hmm. And it's a fun place. And I think I was telling myself that it's a big world with a lot of opportunities and I can and then my dad was telling me I can do whatever I want to do. I probably oh, wouldn't tell myself that. I but like that. Yes. <laughs> but that was that was probably that age where it was like, Wow, okay. Mm. I can move I can I can leave this town if I want to, I can do whatever oh. I want and yeah, it's a pretty fun age. Pretty innocent That's
2: awesome. age. That's beautiful. That's also That's incredible because a lot of children at that age have so much fear and they don't have the platform of like or the luxury of a home that we were lucky enough to Mm -hmm. be brought up where we knew we were loved. We knew we were cherished. Like we're so fortunate that that, that's what you had the luxury and I had the luxury and you had the luxury of getting to know that Mm -hmm. and believe that. You know, I, I realize as an adult that that's rare.
0: Yeah. We're for sure so lucky. I feel so blessed and mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that I hope that Olivia can feel that because that was she will. It's crucial.
2: Yeah, that's incredible. If there were one was one thing that you needed to hear as a child and never heard, what would that be?
0: Hmm. I think I would have just told myself that you you can't even imagine what's in store for you like down the road. Cuz I still think about that like all the time. I just can't even I never could have even, if you'd yeah. asked me to paint the picture of the craziest, best life ever, I wouldn't have been able to paint this picture. So, yeah, I think I would have just encouraged myself and said, "You don't, you know, as an exciting little, you don't even know what's waiting." So, yeah, yeah,
1: it's pretty neat. You know what's a, what's it? a message you'd have for him now, now knowing what you know? I would have just probably said, "No matter what you go through, you're gonna be okay." Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. That'll preach. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, yeah, pretty simple, but
2: but profound. But
0: at times you wouldn't be, you wouldn't believe that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But yeah, simple but profound at the same time. I think that's the premise of what I would have liked myself at eight, nine, or twelve. however old I was there to know?
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> eight to twelve.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That reach.
1: And then a message because in a way I feel like um, you've done a, such a good job of honoring his legacy. Mm. Uh, Just with this conversation, but a message you'd have for uh for Roy. Right now? Yeah. Well, I probably just say I miss him.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I would say. I would say I hope I'm making him proud, even though I know I am. (laughs) Probably ask for some advice. If you got any for me. And I would just tell him how thankful I am for everything he taught me. Yep. Then I'd say, and then
1: I'd ask him if he wanted to drink a beer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or this whiskey. (laughs) Because we never got (laughs) got to. Try try
1: my new whiskey, Dad. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, the cool thing is, is I I firmly believe he can hear it. So, Mm -hmm. as if he was here, I think he is.
0: Yeah, I think so too, man. I like to, even if it's not the case, I really do like to believe that he's watching from heaven and. Sometimes it makes me cry harder when I think that, but sometimes it helps. So I like yeah. to think that. I love that. I believe that. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a message we could all benefit from. So I'm honestly, I, I feel like I've gotten to uh, benefit from Roy's wisdom mm-hmm. by sitting with you. Thanks, dude. And I know a lot of other people will because a lot of people are going to be uh, listening, and maybe we'll just close with uh A message or if you had a, if you had a prayer for the world or for all the people that are listening or any kind of message of hope, what what would you, what would you want them to know?
0: I would just encourage the world with, you know, when you feel, when you feel hopeless and you feel like every ounce of hope is drained and, you know, the glass is completely empty. (laughs) There's always a brighter day and there's always hope. And, and for me, that's in the Lord, you know, and it's not, it's not too, too much more complicated than that, in my opinion. Um, so he offers a lot, a lot more than we can even imagine, and, and I've I've been a, I've experienced it firsthand. You know, strength where he shouldn't have strength, and joy where he shouldn't be joyful, and peace where he shouldn't shouldn't be peaceful. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's that's my number one message at this at this point in life.
1: All right, and then after I said we were going to close that, we got one more. Come on, and uh, it won't be just because I in, think in uh, Miles' fashion, a lot of yeah. a lot of deep questions, but um. I was going to say, what do you do for fun? But I'd I'd rather say, what's the thing you're most excited about introducing Olivia to?
0: Oh, I can't wait to bring her to a show, man. I mean, I know that's work and fun, but I think she's already been to probably 30 shows when she was in the (laughs) womb. But I think just I'm excited to introduce her to even more. Let me get more specific. I'm excited for the day when I can show her what a tour bus is like and I can show and I yeah. can and she can feel like we're going camping but we're really going to work right and she gets to go to her bunk and hang out and I don't know I think as a kid that would have been freaking awesome yeah. so as an adult it's pretty awesome so yeah this <laughs> so, is yeah, right. life man I'm excited <laughs> to amazing. take her
1: on tour yeah. Sweet. Mm. Well, brother, thank you. You've thank been, uh, you. you're a good man. Well, um, thank you I'm guys. proud to know you. Good man, good friend. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Miles. You too, man. Yeah. You too, Ruthie. I appreciate you. and I, I Thank you.
0: you for chatting and being open and telling me your story. and mm. really means a lot. I look up to you as well.
2: Oh, you're wonderful. This was such a gift. Thank oh, you thank so you. much.
0: Thank you, guys. Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone,
1: take off your knife. It's nice to
2: me. Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. We know that your time is valuable, so it just means the world to us that you would spend your time and energy with us. The music from our podcast is from one of my favorite bands, Oliver Riot, and the song is called Alcatraz, and it is from their EP, Hallucinate. And I just cannot speak highly enough about these boys. They have a new record coming out soon and you should check them out, they're amazing.
1: Definitely go get their music wherever you can get it. They are amazing and you're gonna love them as much as we do. If you wanna learn more about The Unspoken Podcast, please go to theunspokenpodcast.com for show notes and information about the guests. And please follow us on Instagram at The Unspoken Podcast. We'd also love for you to subscribe to the podcast and help us spread the news and share this because we cannot wait to show you what's up next. And we will be with you all again soon.